Good morning, everyone. Well, January, I don't know if you realise, but January is freestyle preaching month. There's no themes to stick to. Pastor Glenn and I don't have to work in with each other. It's just whatever you like. And so this month from Pastor Glenn, you've had the surrendered life, living the surrendered life. And for me, you're getting stories about plants. Because for any of you who have gone near my upstairs office, you will know that I love plants. I love dealing with plants. And I can relate very easily to any stories relating to plants. And the Bible is full of them. Have you ever had a plant that is special to you? Perhaps it was something that you nurtured from seed and you grew to an enormous tree. Perhaps it was a plant that was planted for a special reason, a memorial plant perhaps, or perhaps a plant that was planted when a, a baby was born or to mark a wedding day or an anniversary. Maybe it was simply a pot plant that has been with you since your student days and has travelled from house to house, room to room and survived. Some of you are nodding at me and the rest of you have not a clue what I'm on about because you can't imagine ever having any particular feelings about a plant because the ideal garden to you is a concrete garden. And you folks will have to bear with us today and engage your imaginations to help you imagine what those of us who have feelings for plants feel like. Our scriptures today concern vineyards, very common in Old Testament times, very common in the times of Jesus. In the agrarian society of that time, Many would have experienced work in a vineyard and those that hadn't probably knew people who had experienced working in a vineyard setting. Today, I think it is a fairly safe bet that for most of you who have been to vineyards, it will have been as a tourist or as a consumer rather than a worker. Very few of you, I imagine, would have worked in vineyards. And so whilst I know that most of you don't have a great deal of practical experience in tending vineyards, some of you are lovers of plants, and I know that for sure. So before we read today's Old Testament scripture, which comes from Isaiah 5, feel free to turn there if you like, I'm going to have a go at contextualising it for you in terms that some of us might be more familiar with. The Isaiah version is called the Song of a Vineyard. It's a love song. My version is called the Love Song of the Cycad. And if I were Pastor Glenn, I might sing this love song to you, but I'm not, so I'm just going to read it to you. Let me sing for you my love song concerning a cycad. Our beloved had a cycad. 
our beloved had a garden. And within that garden, there was a beautiful, fertile spot, a spot in prime position. It was the choicest of fertile spots. And we dug it and we cleared it of stones and weeds and planted it with the precious cycad that our beloved had nurtured for more than 10 years. We planted it underneath a security camera to protect it from thieves and near a tap that it might never be lacking in water. We dug compost in around it to improve the soil and we tended it with liquid seaweed. We forked the soil around it and we applied organic fertilizers. We looked for it to yield lush new growth, but instead it yielded only withered leaves. And now, O oh inhabitants of Pathway, judge between us and that cycad. What more was there to do for that cycad than we had done for it. When we looked for it to yield lush new growth, why did it yield only withered leaves? Now for any who are perhaps not quite so familiar with the goings on in this church or who are watching from home and have absolutely no idea what this is all about, allow me to explain. Last year, as Christie's already mentioned, we completed a building program. It was very exciting. And we were busy since then, in between lockdown, planting the gardens that you now see around this church. And one of our members here had a beautiful cycad, which she had nurtured for more than 10 years. And it was to take pride of place in a corner garden bed right outside the children's ministry entry. And this spot was chosen because it was in a prime position. Everyone would see it as they drove in the driveway to drop people off. But it was also chosen because it was right under a security camera. And I know it's hard for those of you who are concrete gardeners to believe, but plants like that are highly sought after and are frequently stolen, and so hence the need for some security. Well, various people loved and fussed over this plant. People came in and they forked around it. People applied liquid seaweed to it. People brought dynamic lifter from home to put around it. People removed the stones from around it. People pulled weeds out around it. We fussed and fussed over this cycad and we checked its heart for the telltale signs of those new leaves that appear from the centre of a cycad. None was found. And the progression from a large, lush, upright cycad to a flat, yellow, dying cycad was kind of slow at first. A little bit of yellow speckling here or there in the leaves. But then rapidly the leaves began to droop and flop to the ground. And even Pastor Glenn, who doesn't even notice when the little pot plant that is in his office is flat to the floor and crying out for him to water, was taking photos of this thing out in the garden and sending them by a text message to me, captioned, how can we revive this? I even checked an entire night's security vision because I was certain that kids had come in the night and stomped on this plant. 
so rapid and so swift was its decline. Those of us that loved that plant grieved over it and we still live in hope that one day some new growth will spring forth from the centre of now what is just a stump out in the garden. If it were up to me, it probably would have been pulled out and tossed by now because I don't have a lot of patience with underperforming plants. I tend to give them a verbal warning <laughs> and if they don't shape up, they're shipped out. My parents have three beautiful cycads in their garden and every year in spring, you see those new leaves come out from the middle and so when I saw them at my parents' garden, I checked that thing Every day I checked it, nothing happened. For now, the stump remains. And we wait to see if it will ever produce that lush new growth that we've been looking for. Now in our story, the plant is just that, it's a plant. It's a treasured plant, but it's still just a plant. In our Old Testament scripture today, the plants, which are the vineyard, is the nation of Israel. And the one who nurtured her, provided for her and watched over her is God. So let's read now together the love song about a vineyard. Would you turn to Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. And then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated and the briars and thorns will grow there. And I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. And the people of Judah are the vines he delights in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Isaiah switches to first person to sing us his love song. The one he loves, God, had a vineyard on a fertile hill. It was on prime agricultural land. His vineyard was to be planted where it had every chance to thrive. He dug it up and he cleared it of stones. Now the stones removed from a vineyard, now I know this is not a vineyard, it's a picture of an orchard there, I get it. The stones would normally be removed from the site and used to make a protective wall. 
around the edge, just like the one in the picture there. And often the protective wall would have the briars and other thorny plants that had been removed from the vineyard piled on top. And alongside that, there would often be a hedge planted, a thorny hedge. And the reason for all of this was to protect the vineyard from roaming wild animals. So he built a protection around the vineyard and he planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it. Now often these were made entirely out of stone or they could be simpler structures like the one in this picture here that is simply elevated to protect the person keeping watch from the sun. He cut a wine press as well. Now that was no simple task. A wine press would be cut out of solid rock. This was hard work. A wine press usually consisted of two large depressions cut in the rock, one deeper than the other, with a trench in between the two. The grapes would be put in the shallow depression where they would be crushed and the juice would run down the trench and collect in the deeper depression. Building a watchtower and a wine press and building a wall requires a lot of effort. And this is something that you would do for only one reason, for the expectation of fruit. The watchtower would be occupied in the lead up to and during the harvest to protect that fruit. And of course, a wine press is redundant until the vines produce fruit. After doing all this, he looked for a crop of good grapes, but the vineyard yielded only bad fruit. In fact, the word used means literally poison berries. It would seem that perhaps at the time there was a plant that grew wild among the vines, produced fruit that perhaps looked like grapes, but was poisonous. God had tended, he had provided for, he had watched over this precious vineyard and in spite of all of his efforts, what it produced was poison berries. All people produce fruit in their lives. If that weren't true, Jesus' comment, you will know them by their fruit, would make no sense. Everyone who plants a vineyard does so with the expectation of fruit. And everything that the vineyard manager does for the vines, he does with the expectation of fruit. And ultimately, all of his efforts should be seen in the yield and the quality of what is produced from those vines. Today, countless thousands of hours and countless thousands of dollars are spent in viticulture on fertilizers to feed the vines and pesticides and fungicides to protect the vines from the ravages of insects and fungal pests. 
The vines are fed to support their growth and they are sprayed to protect the leaves from damage. But ultimately, the leaves are protected only for what they will do for the fruit. You protect the leaves so that they will photosynthesize and produce good fruit. Pruning is done to manage the fruit set and to ensure that valuable energy is not wasted on unproductive shoots. Many years ago, I was invited by a vineyard manager to come and attend a vintage. Always interested in anything horticultural, I was excited by this opportunity until he told me what time he would be picking myself and my colleague up at the middle of the night. Apparently, harvesting in the cool of the night rather than the heat of the day makes for much better quality product, particularly for some varieties of grapes. Sugar levels are more stable at night and this makes for a more dependable outcome from the fermentation process. Cooler temperatures make for better flavour in the wine because the acidity in the fruit remains higher and oxidation happens much more slowly at cooler temperatures. My point is everything, pruning, fertilising, pest, disease control, even the timing of harvest is done with a view towards the fruit. Everyone who plants a vineyard expects that there will be fruit and ultimately the type of fruit that is produced is expressed in the quality of the wine. Ultimately, this passage this morning tells us that God is looking for there to be fruit in our lives. And ultimately, I believe that the type of fruit that is produced will be expressed in the quality of our relationships. When God looks at what is being produced in your life, is it the fruit of righteousness and justice that he longs for? Or do the poison berries of envy and greed, unforgiveness, deception, malice, selfishness, and a whole host of other things, you can add what you like to that list, do these things taint what is produced in your life? Do your relationships with family, friends, your community, and in fact the wider world speak of justice and righteousness or are there poison berries tainting the fermentation process? God speaks into this situation with Israel directly asking two questions. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? What is a horticulturalist to do? What would you do with vines that consumed that much effort but yielded only poison berries? God removed his protection and provision from that vineyard. The protective thorny hedge was removed, its wall was destroyed, and it would be subject to whatever raiders of the animal or humankind chose to plunder it. 
It was not pruned or cultivated and the briars and thorns, those enemies of the vines, would not be taken away. They'd be free to grow there. Perhaps worst of all, God's provision in the form of rain would be withheld. Under those circumstances, it does not take long for a beautifully cultivated vineyard to turn into a wasteland. Now, at this point, recipients of Isaiah's message are probably thinking, yes, don't persist with a vineyard like that. No one would persist with a vineyard that produces only poisonous berries. Walk away, leave it. In fact, why not rip out those vines and plant something more worthwhile? And then the tune in this little song changes. When we get to verse 7, I think it is, and the identity of the vineyard is revealed. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw only bloodshed for righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. This little song is about them. They are the vineyard that was so lovingly cared for. Justice and righteousness were the fruits that God was looking for, but instead he found only the poison of bloodshed and he heard the cries of distress. Flip over with me, if you will, to Psalm 80. And we're going to read from verse 8. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and it took root and it filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its bough to the sea and it shoots as far as the river. Psalm 80 is another song, but it is a song of lament. And it tells us what happened to the vineyard. And this exaggeration given here about the boughs going out and the shoots filling the land gives us a picture that what happened in that vineyard was supernatural. This was not normal growth. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its bough to the sea and its shoots as far as the river. This is not normal growth for a vine. This vine was growing way beyond what any normal vine should. It was flourishing in the place where it had been planted. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it and the creatures of the field feed upon it, just as Isaiah had sung. God had removed his protection. The Assyrians had come into the north and had ravaged that place. And if you've ever seen the mess that wild boars make, you will know 
that this is an apt description because they can turn a beautiful place, productive land, into a churned up mess in no time. This is what they can do on a golf course. And that is what they do on horticultural land. They get their snouts in and they dig. I used to, every day on my journey to work, it used to take me about 50 minutes to get to work and I'd go through the hills through Warren Diet Research that way. And there was some beautiful pasture land out that way uh, until the owners decided to get two pigs. And in the space of about six weeks, those two pigs turned their beautiful pasture land into something looking like that, and then the pigs disappeared, never to be seen again. The lament continues. Return to us, O mighty God. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root, of your right, the root your right hand has planted, the sum you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire at your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself, then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord. Make your face shine upon us that we might be saved. In context, it is an appeal to God to restore Israel, his firstborn and right-hand man on earth. But we see in it something else because of our privileged position this side of history. We see the Messiah in those verses. Bad vines produce bad fruit. Jesus said it himself, you will know them by their fruit. Protecting and nurturing these vines had not helped. Cultivating the ground, keeping the weeds out had not helped. Pruning had not helped. Bad vines were going to keep producing bad fruit. For these bad vines to produce good fruit, something radical, something miraculous had to happen. The bad vines had to become part of the true vine. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will remain even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This then is the great miracle of the vineyard, that God did not leave the bad vines to be ravaged forever in the deserted vineyard. God desired good for Israel and he saved her. God desires good for us and so he allows all of us bad vines to become branches of the one true vine, which is Jesus. How can this be, you might ask? Does, is this where the, the imagery breaks down here in the story? You can't just 
take one plant and make it part of another plant? Well, you can. I've done it myself many times. And I've done it with the sole objective of making a bad or unhealthy plant take on the properties of the good or healthy plant. You do it by grafting. And that's another story for another day. We'll pick up that one next time when I speak to you about the unnatural graft. It seems then that God provided an answer to his own question, the question that he posed way back in Isaiah chapter 5. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? What more that was done was that the farmer became a vine and he entered the vineyard to bid to the other vines, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Sharing the yoke with Jesus is another way of saying remain attached to the vine. Those weary and heavy burdened from sin, those grapevines whose life is producing only poisonous fruits, come and join yourself with Jesus. Find rest for your souls. Let the poison berries become abundant good fruit. How do we produce abundant good fruit in our lives that is pleasing to God? The answer is very simple, much more simple than you might imagine. Jesus sums it up in just three words, remain in me. It's that simple, remain in me. If you look around and you see in your life the spoils of tainted fruit, Perhaps you need to be attached more firmly to the vine. Remain in me, says Jesus. That is the only way to ensure that the fruit that you are producing will be pleasing to God. Father, thank you that you did not leave your vineyard deserted forever. Thank you for Jesus, the true vine. Lord, we all have in us a tendency to grow wild, to produce bitter and poisoned fruit. Help us to remain firmly attached to the vine. Nurture within us your Holy Spirit. Help us to submit to your pruning in our lives that we might produce abundant fruit for your kingdom and show ourselves to be true disciples of you, Lord. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our final song, which is You Are My All in All.
Continue to prune and to tend you, and may you bear much good fruit. Peace be with you. <laughs> 